0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. This morning's uh, scripture is out of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 36. And it's going to sound a bit familiar, um, but we're going to look at it from a little different angle today. Uh, on the top of mine, it says Jesus walks on water. Um, you may remember that story. It says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him on the other side, and while he dismissed the crowd, and after he dismissed them, he went to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me and I will come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, "'Lord, save me!' And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. "'You have little faith,' he said. "'Why did you doubt?' And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, "'Truly you are the Son of God.' When they had crossed over, they landed in Gethsemane, and when the men of of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word as we continue to sing this morning. Oh, Lord, what a blessing it is to hear. To hear your people cry out to you. What an opportunity it is for us to worship this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us this chance. May we not waste it by being busy. May we not waste it by being uh, uh, distracted. May we not waste it by being ourselves. Lord, help us to see what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. And if you're a kid, you can run. Run, run, boys. Let's go. Your mom's there. She isn't gonna yell at you. She's got her hands. Full. She likes. Yeah, she's got her hands full. <laughs> she likes. Her, she likes. Go. See you, Josh. Oh, I just is Cindy here today? I don't see anybody. See Cindy? No. Good because. This is what happens when you win this chili cook-off, and you're really, yeah, and she's not here. And rumor has it that she's actually a better chili cooker than I. Don't believe that rumor. She didn't even put her name on the list. I'm the only one on the list, so I'm the only one that's going to win. All that being said, I want to encourage you, we did talk a little bit, of really, uh, to invite people to the chili cook-off, invite uh, invite your neighbors, uh, invite your friends. You don't even have to, I just, this is my favorite part of the chili cook-off. You don't even have to like chili. There's always plenty of extra food. I know that this year there's going to be uh, a Sunday bar. So I, I haven't found too many people in the world who don't like ice cream. So I don't think that uh, that's an excuse not to come. Uh, and if you come, vote for my chili. That's all I, that's, <laughs> that's what I would do if I were you. You probably get an extra prayer or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whoa, almost lost it. Not really. Not really. You're not gonna get an extra prayer unless you tell me in my ear that you wrote it for my chili, and then I would, you know, <laughs> might be compelled. All that being said, it's a it's a good time. It's so cool. I don't know if, if you guys don't may not know this, but who's won the last couple of years is a friend of the church. She doesn't go to the church, but she lives on the other end of Williams Road, um, and. Her mom actually won I think the last two years or at least the last year, and they she reached out to me in January and she's like, What's the date? I need to get it on my calendar and uh, so so that it's a it's a good community event it's a good chance for us to meet our neighbors i got we have a neighbor on that side that just moved in, and uh, when I talked to them, she said she makes good chili we'll see um, so I got to stop and see her first too. Um but encourage encourage uh, those in our community, to be involved. It's, I think it's a good opportunity for us to just uh, to reach out. As a church, it's uh, March 9th, uh, 3 o'clock. Uh, eat at 3.30. If you want great chili, eat mine. It'll be great. Probably not. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, we've been working our way through uh, uh, Foster's book, and a lot of times, a lot of years, most years we go, when we get to this spot, we literally shift gears to uh, Easter and Lent um, and talk about that more. But we're going through the book. It ends up uh, that it, it works out that the last chapter of this book will be on Easter morning. And the last chapter is about celebration. I think that Brentley and I were looking at it. We we're like, what do we do? Shift gears, hold up. What? And it was like, well, that will work pretty good. That's pretty seamless. And so we're going to, we're going to keep working our way through this book, um, I'm not preaching this book. I'm just, this book is a great, uh, gives us great topics to talk about, about uh, discipline and uh, celebrating that. Anybody, anybody like, we have any loners in the group? Ann and Bartlett. Larry, you're not a loner. <laughs> Brian Renner? Eh, barely, Brian. I'm not going with that, Brian. There are some loners in this group, but it's not you guys. Mark? Mark with a little bit. <laughs> right? Anybody like solitude? Anybody like to be... What does it look like when uh, there's solitude? Peace? Quiet. So I want you to stop for one second and close your eyes, and I want you to think about the place that you would be. That, that space that you would be in if you were in solitude. Can you see it? I had solitude. solitude. here? No. It was, oh. 3:30 this morning. 3:30 this morning. 3:30 this morning is usually good solitude. Yes. <laughs> I, there are those areas in our life, right? There are places in our life. I want to show you a picture from uh, 2005 and it probably doesn't it doesn't mean anything to you. I know that. Um, but, but this was this was uh, in 2005 I was in uh, um, in Canada, in Quebec, moose hunting, and I went up there with uh, with two cousins, and we three of us had seven seven square miles, some ridiculous amount of property, and we were the only three humans in that property for a week. Like there was not another soul in that property. Seven, I think it was seven square miles, or just to say it was huge. And I've never felt more. Like, alone, (laughs) right? Um, if, If you don't know, if you know much about Quebec, you know that they have wolves. And so we would hear the wolves in the morning, in the morning light, the beginning daylight, and you could hear the wolves off in the distance chasing something. And it was really a little bit like eerie. I'd never been alone, like, alone, alone, like, with that much space around me. And when I say there's three of us hunting, we weren't hunting together, we were hunting in separate areas in that chunk of property. And so we would spend all day alone. Is that solitude? Maybe. We, right. What does solitude look like to you? Where where do we find solitude? And where's its value? Right? Because if we're not careful, we can do this maybe not, right? <laughs> I, know, I know a few of you are introverts, right? <laughs> Relates way too much, right? And we think, well, I'll just stay home in my house and never talk to another soul, and that's solitude. And I'll, I'll ask you the question, is that it? Is that what solitude is? Do you think that's what God wants for our solitude, for our time of, of quiet and silence? We think he wants prayer. prayer, yeah, yeah, you were gonna see that this morning, right? He wants prayer, what else does he want in that in that moment in that quiet to be still, yeah, understanding, does anybody struggle to slow down at all i I am the worst. I'm getting better at it, but I like I can remember those times where I I, I can't watch a movie because if I last ten more minutes in the chair I I, oh, I, I told you before. I get up. I got to get something to eat. Oh, I get, sit back down. I got to get something to drink. Now I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> I never. I'm not really good at that. I'm learning. I'm learning to just take to slow down just a little bit, and to find that space. I think what happens in our, our faith walk is that we're not willing to slow down long enough to let God listen to listen to what God is telling us to, to let God speak in our life. And, and you know this story, right? The story is not all that. Um, it's a crazy story, but it's not a story we don't know. But at the beginning, I don't know if you caught at the beginning what Jesus was doing. Jesus had been teaching all day long. He probably had a headache from all the people he dealt with. And in the midst of that, he recognizes, he, he tells his disciples, listen. Listen. You guys go get the boat ready. Go get in the boat, and I'm going to dismiss this crowd. And they leave. Do you see they leave? They go on a boat ride across the lake to get out of the way of of all those people they had been ministering to all day. Sounds to me like he worked a 12-hour shift, and he was tired. Jesus, tired? Tired? Jesus in his humanness, absolutely. He dismissed the crowd. Jesus understood that he needed time, and it, and I always go back to this: if Jesus needed time, if Jesus needed time, some downtime to get his uh, to get some rest and get his heart where it needed to be, and. Um, just to take a deep breath, there's, other, there's another scripture, and I didn't, I didn't write it down, but there's another scripture where it says that he took his disciples away so that they could find a place to eat in quiet. Right? He, he understood that doing ministry, doing work, uh, life's work was one thing, but you needed to find some separate space that they weren't always tangled together. And some of us, we struggle to find that space where we're not always tangled one to the other. Some of us are Marthas, right? Not Martha, but Martha's. <laughs> Some of us struggle to, to take a deep breath and let God work in our life. And I think this discipline is so much... We live in a world where it almost feels lazy to not do. But I think God is saying, I need you to slow down long enough, to stop long enough, to, to wait on me long enough that I can speak into your life. Why? Why, would, why does God want to speak into your life? Why does that matter? Does it matter? It absolutely matters, right? It absolutely matters. How do you know where you're going if you don't let God speak into your life? Jesus needed to stop long enough to hear God's voice, to pray, to talk with His Father, and if Jesus needed to talk with his father, I think it's a pretty good uh, example for us to follow. If Jesus needed some solitude, I would say that it's probably a benefit for us to get some solitude. And, and we'll see in this story what Jesus is able to do because of that. I believe, I believe that he doesn't walk on water just because. See, all, all too often we read a story about Jesus and we're like, well, yeah, that's God. What's the big deal, right? Right? He can walk on water all over. He, he, doesn't, he can do that anywhere he wants to, right? Yeah, he went to the cross and he died, but he rose again. Right? We, we put God qualities into Jesus, and he had those. But, but Philippians says that he emptied himself of, of those, some of those qualities in order to be a real man. And so I think sometimes it's easy for us to just say, well, he just he walked on water. Cool. But did you see the other half of that? There's another guy who walked on water. And who was that? Peter. And was Peter God in any way, shape, or form? No. So my sense is that there's a a bigger piece to this than we realize. I think the solitude, the time away, the time in prayer, which we might feel is lazy or not, uh, not accomplishing something or not getting the dishes done, right, or not washing my laundry and all those things... I think it's, it's way the opposite. It's the discipline that, that slows us down long enough to, to take the time and the energy and the focus and put it on God. I think we miss it all too often. Let's look and see what Jesus... Oh, did you see the... the it says, is that it? Nope. That's, I don't know if you could see that. You might not be able to read that if you've got old eyes like me. I think Jesus' example in this, in this story is really powerful in this. He shows us how to do solitude. And that, that it takes some discipline. This is the verse, uh, the verse that we're, we're talking about. It says, Immediately Jesus went to his disciples and told them to get in the boat and get ahead of him uh, while he dismissed the crowd. And while he dismissed them, uh, he went to the mountainside by himself to pray. Did you notice that he stayed there all night by himself in solitude? He didn't go and say a 30-second prayer and go back to his buddies to hang out and uh, debrief what happened during the day of ministry. It says later that night, he was there alone. In fact, the boat had pushed out into the water. He didn't even go back to his buddies uh, to hang out with them. He went and prayed alone and he was there all night. Some of us some of us may be feeling a bit like this. Just worn out. Tired. Struggling uh through the day. Day after day after day. The discipline is uh in my opinion is to get away, right? What God, what God wants for us is to get away. This is like, a <laughs> I knew you'd laugh at this. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the, right? We laugh because we all have seen the movie because it's 100 years old. And, and we realize that Forrest is running for his life, right? He's, you know. But I wonder how often, how often we, we don't take the time to get away from things and people and busyness. And we see it in the holidays especially. But I think in the world we live now, we see it pretty much all the time. We don't take the time to get away. We don't take the time uh, to have the discipline of solitude. And we don't take the time to spend it with God. I'm not asking you uh, to give an hour even. I'm asking you to make a time. Here's the the challenge for you this week. Try five minutes. Try, Try sitting in solitude in prayer Just seeking God for five minutes. Set a timer. Set a timer and try not to get up. Try not to get distracted. Try not uh, to want to watch TV or to feel hungry or to get a drink. Try not to do those things, but sit in solitude. Sit alone and pray to God. Seek His face to find out what He wants for your life. See, all too often, I don't think... I don't think we take the time and the energy to pray. We, someone said, yes, I heard it yesterday. Um, all too often we say we'll pray, but we don't pray. Right? I, I have been guilty of that at times, and so what I've, I've learned to do uh, is pray first before I tell somebody I'm going to pray for them. Or pray in text because I at least know that I put it, I did it. Right? I, I did it. I went to God for something, someone Some situation. Let me challenge you to take that time. So it's like, it's almost like I'll pray for you, but I forget to do the actual what I'm going to do for you, right? And what the actual what I'm going to do for you is way more important than letting you know that I'm going to pray for you. And we see in the New Testament that Jesus over and over and over uh, has this opportunity. Um, takes the opportunity to be alone. Back uh, in Luke 5, he says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often was in, uh, uh, in times and, and spent time in solitude. We're talking about God himself in the flesh who's given how many, how many years has he come and minister for? Maybe three, three and a half-ish, somewhere in that, right? And my first thought is, couldn't they have spent better time, right? He only had this little chunk of time to minister. And he was away often in lonely places and praying. How important must that have been to his ministry to be alone and in prayer seeking God? One of the things I think we we miss uh, in the opportunities in ministry and why they aren't successful is not because they're not of God, but because we don't spend the time putting our hearts in the right place to get to where they need to be. So all too often we're we're way too worried about what it looks like or how it's going to act, how it's going to be like developed and all the the logistics, right, if you will, the logistics of what are going on, and we forget that. If we put our heart where God wants it it 's going to be successful. what was mark Mark what was your verse this morning the meditations of my heart right I, can't, I right be pleasing to God I, I think all too often that that sticks out to me that all too often we waste way too much time on the wrong things that all all too often we and, and, I've, and I do the same thing I get all worked up about how will this work out how is it going to go how are we going to do this or that or and I and I worry about all the logistics and I forget the story after story after story after story after story in the Bible, where God shows up in uncanny ways in on, in only a way that God could show up. And he makes right a wrong. He brings victory where there was no victory, right? We know those stories of Gideon. Gideon is so ridiculous. And yet, so fitting. God, God is so wanting to show himself in Gideon's life that he takes away the whole army. <laughs> He's like, you don't need all those people. You need less people. right?" And it's kind of ridiculous. Unless you're seeing God working in it. And so let me challenge you to, to take the time to be silent, to be with God, and to ask him in those areas. Jesus shows that he's, um, shows us sol- that solitude uh, prepares your heart. It prepares your heart for what's coming. I, I I don't take it lightly that Jesus went and prayed all night and then walked on water, and, and uh, Peter walked on water as well. I don't I don't. I think they're interconnected. We don't a lot of times connect those two pieces because we're like, that was a cool miracle, uh, but we forget the piece of what it took to get there. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink, and he cried out, "Lord, save me!" And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, "You have little faith. Why do you doubt?" Right. We can see we see that story, and we understand that Jesus literally, literally walked out on the water in a storm to the boat. right That's what the story tells us. A human walked across water, and you may be like, "How? That doesn't that's not that it defies all of our uh, science. It defies all of our understanding of how people uh, don't walk on water. And we ask ourselves, how did he get there? What was, what, was it God just pushing him along? Maybe it was that, that Jesus had prepared his heart in the right way, that he had spent the time, and, and this is a powerful story, that, that happened because Jesus was actually in prayer over what was going on. I want to challenge you to find that time to get away. I want to challenge you to find that time to sit with God. All too often, we go from morning to night. And we don't prepare our heart for what God has. More often than not, instead of being proactive, we become reactive, right? I'm not proactive, so my heart's not where it needs to be for God, and so what do I do? I react when things don't go well, and then I'm crying out to God for all the, the, the struggles I have. But maybe if I'd have took it to God at the beginning and put my heart in the right place, I would be at least at, better, uh, at peace, understanding where God is going to take me is where he's going to take me, that, the, that his direction and his plan is still perfect. He's still working those details out. And that I need to give him those things. But if I don't give him those things, I'm not going to prepare my heart for where he's going to take me. I'm going to react and probably like, you know, like, I'm going to jerk because it's going to be like, ah, God, what are you doing? Find the time in solitude to prepare your heart. probably the coolest part of this story is that it brings healing. I've spent more alone time in the last eight months than I've spent probably my life. If you know me very well, you know I'm an extrovert for, by, uh, by nature. Tend to be an extrovert by nature. And I've spent a lot of time sitting alone, and, I've spent, and I will tell you that in the first three months, every Sunday afternoon was miserable. It was miserable. I, I had a puzzle phase. I went through a thousand-piece puzzle, and I would just sit there and just pound away at that puzzle, listen to music, and feel sorry and feel bad. Because I knew everybody else, I, this is my brain, not, this is not reality, just so you guys know. It's not reality, this is my, this is my brain. My, my brain was this. <laughs> Everybody else in the whole wide world has their whole family all doing the f- most fun things in the whole wide world, and they're loving life, and everything is roses and uh, rainbows and unicorns, and my life stinks, and i got to do a puzzle by myself, right? That's, that's what I'm thinking. The re- not reality. Not, I know that it's not reality. But in the midst of all that, you're like, Oh, what was me? And ah, goodness. But what I've learned in solitude is this. That there there isn't a human that will solve those problems. There isn't a relationship that will solve all those problems. There isn't a great meal that will solve all those problems. There isn't one Bible verse that will solve all those problems. There's a man named Jesus that will solve all those problems. And in that solitude, it, it really became a, a, an understanding for me to understand that the healing only comes through the blood of Jesus. Right? That healing isn't going to come from, uh, from the next drink or the next drug or the next uh, thing. It comes through Jesus. So much so, in this story, we see this piece. Jesus brings healing. It says, they begged... To him to let the sick touch the fringe of his robe. How much faith does it take to touch the fringe of a robe and be healed? Probably more faith than I got. Think about that for a moment. And we see that, oh, excuse me, more than once in Scripture. Jesus, I don't even need you to come to my house because I know that you'll heal the son. That's a different story, but you probably know it. It takes a lot of faith to touch the hem of a garment and be healed. The reality is that Jesus brings that healing, and I can promise you, you won't find that healing anywhere else. We won't find it in the busyness of the day. We won't find it in our job. We won't find it even in a meal. But it was close. I had a good meal last week and it was close. <laughs> right? The healing that comes from God, comes in those quiet moments. We see Elijah in a cave. And I use it all over and over and over because I think it's so powerful. We expect God to come in this big whirlwind, in the storm, in this hurricane, if you will. And he comes in a very different way. He comes in a very quiet, still. And sometimes we use volume our loud voice to get you to pay attention and sometimes we use really quiet voice to get you to lean in and pay attention. And in that moment Jesus or uh, Elijah is responding to God talking in a very very still quiet voice. And I don't know about you but in those moments of life when it's so busy and it's hard to talk it's hard to hear Sometimes we can't even hear our own uh, what's going on. So let me encourage you. In Matthew 6, this is a couple chapters before, it says, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray for the Father. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. If you didn't get it, I'm going to explain it. That's what God wants, He wants our hearts. And I think most of us would like to believe that our hearts are nice and intact in all one piece. They're pretty. They haven't been hurt. They haven't been trampled. If you don't understand what this is, it looks pretty much to me like some cu- broken cup. right? Something got shattered into a million pieces. And it's being put back together. See, we, we want to believe that our hearts, they're whole. The reality is, they're not. And and it doesn't matter what your brokenness is. Pick your brokenness. You haven't gotten this far in life without brokenness. Some of us might know your brokenness, some of us wouldn't have a clue what your brokenness is. You may not know my brokenness. That's okay. But I know this God knows my brokenness. And what he wants is to put my heart back together. He wants to heal us. He wants to take the hurt that's inside and take it away. He wants to make us whole again. There's only one way that happens, and that's through the blood of Jesus. That's not because the preacher preaches this or that. It's not because... uh, it sounds nice. It's not because of how much money you put in the offering. It's not because how nice you are to the person next to you. Uh, it's none of those things. It's legitimately one way. Jesus says there is one way, and it's through me, through the blood of Jesus. It's understanding that Jesus lived the perfect. He came as God in the flesh, lived a perfect life. And in that perfection, He took our sin. He took our struggles, our brokenness, our hurt. And he took it to the cross. And even if it were only me, he took it for me. And all he asks in return is that we would be loyal, committed, connected. That we would be faithful to him. that's not something you have this morning, I, I can guarantee you one thing to someone in the room who doesn't know who Jesus is in their life. That's, that's a given. If you've got more than one or two people, you probably got that. If you don't know who Jesus is in your life, I'd love to share him with you. I'd love to spend time talking about him with you. I'd love to lead you there. We all know, I don't preach a lot about the end times, but we can. If you don't know that the world's changing and that things are getting out of hand and they're getting pretty wild in the world we live, you really do have your head in the sand. My sense is, my belief is, that churches are starting to fill up with people who are questioning what's going on in this world we live. Because you can't ignore it anymore. It just keeps getting uglier and uglier and uglier. And we think we can't step any lower. It can't get any worse. And yet, it seems to get worse and it seems to get a little uglier. I'd love to tell you that I, we can fix all of that, but we can't. What I can tell you is I can help you get through it. Not me personally, but Jesus himself. And so if you don't have a relationship with him, if you, don't, if you don't know what that means, I'd love to talk to you either during, uh, during the time when we take offering, which is right after we pray, or in the back, I'll be in the back, uh, Brentley will be in the back, or you want to call the church if, uh, and, and spend some time together, have a cup of coffee, I'd love to do that. i love to talk about that. Why? Because the world is coming to an end. It's not going to live, we're not going to live like this forever. I don't know if it's in one year, 10 years, or 100 years, or 1,000 years, not for me to know what I do know is this. It won't matter if it's in one year, 10 years, 100 years, or 1,000 years if I'm in right relationship with God. And I can live my life today for what he's put on my heart as long as I'm in his will. And so let me encourage you. If you're not there, come see me. Let's talk about it. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for, uh, for Jesus who, who took the time to find solitude alone in prayer, who, who Lord, took time and, um, and was seeking you. Lord, I pray that uh, you would remind us to be quiet in those moments, to find time, uh, Lord, to step away from the busyness of this life and to pray and to seek your face and to understand your heart and your desire for our lives. or may we not be Lone Rangers in our life, but rather be in relationship with you and allow you to lead. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.